As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Hairdressers leaving by mutual consent. Jack Grealish just getting fouled over and over again. Nathan, winner of best villain at the 2023 British Soap Awards, Jones. Danny Baker, stop getting the threshold for thrashings wrong. The ultimate Harry Kane quiz question. When is it acceptable to describe a team as high-flying? An astonishing coincidence involving freed from desire, Wrexham getting ahead of themselves, the connotations of the word benched, and Keys and Gray compile the most unnecessary combined 11 of all time. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 230 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, after his extended break, is Charlie Eccleshare. I mean this sincerely. How you doing? I'm good, yeah. Had a very nice time away, but I'm delighted to be back and raring to go. Yeah, fantastic. Really good to have you back. Um, I thought I had to share this with you immediately upon your return. Uh, Morgs writes in, says, thought you'd appreciate this. My mum received a text from her hairdresser last night that she'd left the salon with immediate effect. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Wow. Yeah. That, uh, that does invite some questions. No notice period. Yeah. Mutual consent. What would be the stock photo for this, do you think? Sort of a, I don't know, a hairbrush just just on the counter. Yeah, or an outside shot mm. um, of the salon. A little bit of sort of swirly barber. Yeah, thing. the swirly yeah, thing. That's yeah, that's true. That, that, would, that would be ideal, actually. That would work. Um, hope all is good at that salon. Um, alongside you for the adjudication panel today is Nick Miller. How's it going? I'm very well. I'm very well. Uh, is there any sort of thanks for their hard work um, <laughs> and best wishes for the future? Or in the- Welcome back at the salon anytime. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Nick, you spent what appears to be about seven hours of your Saturday at the epicentre of English football. Oh, it was more than seven hours. I got, I, oh. I got there um, got there about 10am and left yep. at like half seven, eight or something like that. It was Wow, a full working day and, oh, yeah. and more. I was at Watford Gap Services, um, <laughs> one of the more eccentric ideas from one of our editors um, who wanted me to go and just go and people watch, or football fan watch, talk, watch and... Actually, watch sounds sort of sinister, doesn't it? But uh, yeah. <laughs> observe and talk to uh, football fans as they crisscross the country going to games all over the place. So roughly how many different sets of fans did you witness? I've got the number of different shirts I saw, and I think it was about 17 in the end. Hmm, like a whole division's worth. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, uh, at the same time, very bleak and also quite life-affirming. Mm. Oh, life-affirming is good. I thought it would be. Charlie, it's good to see some classic athletic content. Still there. We're still going. It's back. I mean, we were talking before, weren't we, about the walking, the whole walking thing, mm. which I do always feel is a little overblown, but m- maybe I'm just <laughs> being defensive. How many walking pieces have we done? Two, Max? Yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I guess some would be saying that's too, too many, but <laughs> I think that's fine. You know, given the... It's, it's a teeny percentage, I think, of the volume of our output. Oh, yeah. We put Steve Madeley on a bus. What was it? For? It was Steve Madeley on a bus. What was that for England's World Cup semi-final or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Was, was it the se- yeah, it was the semi, not the final. Yeah. That was, uh... Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but no, good to see the spirit is still alive. A couple of observations of my own from this weekend before we get stuck into the official adjudication panel. Nick, do you know what? I'm really bored. Like properly, properly done in with the sight of Jack Grealish being fouled. Like it's, <laughs> it's actually completely lost all novelty. And all appeal. It's so boring. So what? So this implies that sort of previously you kind of quite like the idea of a, a tricky low socked winger being chopped down by a agricultural fullback, but now you just started to feel sorry for him. Well, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't anything particularly personal to Grealish. It was before it was like a player getting found in that semi spectacular kind of way was like, whoa, this is this, you know mm. this is an event in a match. But it just happens to him all the time now, and you, you sense he's getting pretty tired of it. I mean, he. He had that kind of expression on his face a long time ago, but it ceased to be any sort of spectacle to me. It's uh, I don't know if it's got something to do with it. He obviously looks... He's got quite a young face. So he, after like the third or fourth foul, he looks like a sort of bullied schoolboy. Yeah. Just kind <laughs> he of goes through, bedraggled and... yeah. He goes through sort of various phases of reacting to fouls, Charlie. There's the kind of... At first, he just sort of takes it on the chin because he doesn't want to look like he's bothered. Mm. And then... Then there'll be the first sort of wave of protest saying, oh, come on, ref, you've got to do something about this. And then he starts laughing kind of ironically at it all, going, mm. well, this is a joke. Uh, well, and then, then it's and just, sort of appealing to, another, appealing to another power, be that, <laughs> yeah. you know, a linesman or someone who must have seen it. I mean, Wolf Sahara had a similar journey, didn't he? And he, mm. I feel like he went down the route of just complete despair. Again, I, I, ended, up, I ended up feeling quite sorry for him because for the same reasons. It was like, oh, this, this can't be fun. Just really bored of the sight of the exact same foul as well, Nick. It is literally, it's the exact same one. Yeah. Grealish glides past the defender. They stick a leg out. It's, it's never anything really more sinister than that. And it always sort of send him spinning into the air. And um, more than anything, it just looks like it just must hurt all the time. The only the only thing I will say is that I'm not, I'm not can't quite remember if this exact thing happened yesterday, is I always enjoy the sight of a defender who's been booked for that kind of thing. Saying, it, but it was my first one. Like the first, one. like there is an official totting up process. Yeah, there'll be more. There'll be more. Yeah. Elsewhere in the Premier League this weekend, 
I'm not sick of this guy yet, actually, Charlie. Uh, let's listen to uh, Nathan Jones in his latest mm. stage of Southampton despair. I've compromised. I've compromised in terms of certain principles because of one personnel, but two, you know, um, the, the way the people want to play and so on. And, and I've compromised because fans and, and so on. Compromised on a few little things, to be honest with you, but no more. Because at the end of the day, it's... it's I've been very successful, and I've been very successful playing a real fluent style. Luton, we were a real aggressive front-footed side. Statistically, there weren't many better than me around Europe in terms for aggression, clean sheets, defending your box, balls in the box, XG, all those things. I've had to compromise certain things, and I won't, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Such a disturbing man, Charlie. Like, I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of talk. <laughs> either now or after he's eventually sacked about how out of his depth he may have been in the Premier League and how the Premier League was just too much for him. Um, but he's, to me, he's such a unique managerial presence. He's such a disturbing man. I find him really unnerving to watch in, in almost anything he does. Yeah, I mean, I remember before he joined, there were various stories, some quite off-key things that he'd done as a manager and he thought, mm, this could really go one of two ways. And it's going the bad way, but in quite an entertaining way. I mean, he's, mm. I quite enjoy the way he seems to be torching uh, his relationships with everyone at the club. And I also like when he talks about best in Europe, some quite concrete new age stats like XG, but also just aggression. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There like, must be something for that. Yeah. Like as a football manager rating. Or yeah, something. exactly. Yeah, it was the best for aggression. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Nick... To a certain extent, I'm impressed by the fact that he's not gone for the kind of identikit Premier League manager delivery. Like he's he's not doing the kind of Eddie Howe ma- massaging of the press. He's just saying what he feels. Um, but it just turns out that what he feels is a very intense personal ball of <laughs> weirdness. Um, he strikes. He he feels like he should be taking someone hostage in a Coronation Street cliffhanger. And then he rocks up at the BAFTAs in a nice seat. You think, oh, God, he's just a normal person. This is weird. I thought he'd be all like strange in real life. But no, um, it's, there's a real sort of soap opera sort of villain vibe about him, but in a kind of innocent way, too. Yeah, maybe um, maybe this is going to be the reality of it. He'll just kind of the person who we thought was Nathan Jones will show up in a few months time. talking a completely different accent, being <laughs> nice and relaxed, diff- slightly different haircut as well. It, it, maybe it's like a. It, this is like an extended version of that um, that Joaquin Phoenix uh, documentary that he made a few years ago, ah, where yeah. he pretends to be a rapper. Um, <laughs> whereas you know th- this th- this is just some kind of jobbing actor who's decided to be a, a, a frighteningly intense football manager who wears. And this is the thing that I often think of Nathan Jones. His tracksuit trousers are simply too tight. <laughs> Distractingly tight to tracksuit trousers. Aggressively tight. Aggressively so, tight tracksuit yeah, trousers. Yeah. T- top of the uh, European stats tables for tightness of trousers. We couldn't ignore this, of course, the, the, the seismic news in English football that Manchester City now face a Premier League investigation. Well they, well, they already were facing an investigation. Now they've been put in front of an independent commission, Charlie. The only thing I want to talk about here is that... Um, I have caught sight of the list of the independent commission's powers, as they put it, the potential things that they could do as a result of any investigation. And uh, power W51.4.3 says that uh, they could recommend that the league match or such other match as is referred to in rule W.51.4.1 be replayed. Now, this, this could be potentially amazing. I mean, it's not going to happen, but imagine, I don't know, what is this, 13 seasons worth of Premier League? Just do it all over again, please. You'd love that, <laughs> wouldn't you? You'd bloody love that. 
Oh, can you imagine? Yeah, just we, we go, we're going back to whatever it is, 2008. Let's mm. just start again. Yeah. We'd be back in Barclays era. They'd have to get you in as some sort of consultant saying, no, it wasn't done like that. No, <laughs> that was 2011. No, you got it wrong. No, he wasn't there then. Blackpool? Are you, are you out of your mind? That was 10-11, you morons. <laughs> yeah, get me on board. Um, my next question about this, Nick, is um, uh, without wishing to uh, second-guess the results of this independent commission, um, which player in the current Manchester City squad would stay with them if they got relegated to the Northern Premier League or whatever? Ah, so the the Manchester City version of like Angelo Delivio. Mm. Um, uh, well, I mean, most of them seem to want to leave anyway. So, <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, it would have been company before, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been uh, Nathan Ake, I think. He's He's got that kind of, he's sort of grateful to be, here, grateful to be playing, look on his face for most of the time. So I think, yeah, I think he, he'd stay. I haven't got any rationale behind this one, Charlie, but I've got Ilkay Gundogan for some reason. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it strikes me as someone who's just got real sort of personal values about it. He says, "No, nah, this club's done a lot for me. I'm going to stick." I around. know what you mean, and they stood by him during the injuries yeah. and stuff. I mean, for that reason, I was thinking David Silva back in the day because yeah. I feel like there was a, a proper bond there, and he had some some challenges off the field. So yeah, I can imagine him being sort of like, I just you know nothing would give me more pleasure than sort of. You know, mucking in and doing my bit for the team. Yeah, getting them back up in the leagues. Maybe Scott Carson, Nick, <laughs> eyeing, <laughs> eyeing a place on the bench at least. Oh, 100%. Mag- magnificently passive-aggressive statement by Man City as well. As yeah. If you look it up, it's sensational. Uh, the, the greatest use, actually, in that statement of, you know, we welcome this, we welcome this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is really stretching it. And a great use of corner flag as well, Charlie. The, I mean, I don't think the corner flag really uh, suffices here, does it? <laughs> No, that's, uh, yeah, you can see that's come from them. Uh, I fear this one will run and run. It's one of those stories, Nick, where everything explodes first, and then you re- someone someone sagely points out this will actually take months. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Legal wranglings. Yeah, annoying, <laughs> annoying. Um, tell you what won't take long, the adjudication panel. We can get this wrapped up in the next 40 minutes maximum. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. First up, this is from Adam Simpson. Here is this week's People Doing Their Own Adjudication Panel Corner with John Murray and Pat Nevin on Five Live last week. And Newcastle have actually stepped into the penalty area. Do we still use the word encroachment? Encroached. Encroached. <laughs> he did. Yes, one of the rare... Really settings used. that one would use that. I was thinking, I was listening to Chris Sutton last night who mentioned the word brandished. And I was thinking, you never. You, the only time you hear the word brandished is either with a yellow card or a sawn-off shotgun. <laughs> Continue to enjoy this sort of stuff, Nick. I mean, this one, so close... To, to our start. It's almost like they were both doing their episode of Mezzal and Dicks. It's great. Just really good. It's just uh, the, the the relish with which uh, John Murray said brandished as well. It was just mm. lovely. Yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> they, Awful they just this. get it. Um, elsewhere in this sort of thing, Charlie, Danny Baker tweeted on Sunday night, seeing 3-0 now being described as a thrashing. It's not, is it? Surely a thrashing starts at 5-0 and upwards. This stuff is important, he says. Not important enough for him to uh, entertain offers of coming on the Clichés podcast. (laughs) Um, Not important to talk about it for an hour. I think he's being a little bit 
He's starting too high there. I think 4-0 yeah, is okay, right? Yeah, 4-0. And yeah. 5-1 would certainly be a thrashing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't factored in a consolation goal at all. But it doesn't matter. I'm more of a Nick Hancock's football nightmares man anyway. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's see how that pans out. But um, I, had, I didn't have a For My Sins corner. But Charlie, you have returned from your travels with some material for us. Yes, at the the wedding I was at, I had a for my sins from a guest I was chatting to. It was an in the wild for my sins, and you can imagine the sort of glee internally whilst <laughs> keeping a straight face, which is a really fun thing to do. Your photographic of. memory, like printing it out inside, <laughs> going, "Yeah, can I use this?" Yeah. So what I thought I'd do, rather than just tell you what it is, what it was, is sort of replay the conversation I had with him, okay. and you two can can jump in when you think the FMS is coming. I'm ready. So uh, I'll just sort of get into it. Yeah, so, uh, okay. Oh, um, oh, hey, yeah. So, oh, yeah, how, how are you doing? Yeah, 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 all good. Um, where and where, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Bristol, actually. Oh, interesting. What, are you you from there or are you just living there now? No, just living there now. I went to uni there um, and, yeah, stayed on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a lot of people do that, don't they? Bristol feels like that sort of, that sort of place more than a lot of other sort of uni cities. What do you do now? You, you you working up there? Yeah, I'm a doctor. Oh, cool. Like, do you, do you specialise in in anything or just sort of general practice? Uh, yeah, I'm actually an anaesthetist. For my sense. sense. Yes, that was me. <laughs> Abby, producer Abby confirmed that I have mastered the art of For My Sins Corner on my first attempt. So that I can do the show again. Yes, Adam won. Yes. <laughs> I've sat and I've sat I've sat and I've watched it unfold over weeks and I've absorbed all the uh, all the cues. Good stuff. Yes, I, I do concede that Adam got there a, a fraction before me, but we were I think we were tipped off because the corners of Charlie's mouth were just <laughs> turning up just as the, just as the foremost sins was approaching. So we we were tipped off, I think. Good from both of us, though, Nick. We we didn't take the bait first off. We all of it felt too obvious for 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 him to be bringing back a story all that all that distance, and, and that, yeah, just for that. Uh, Charlie, let's analyse this though. Would you say anaesthetics is a particularly for my sinsy field of medicine? I don't know. I mean, I actually know another anaesthetist. It's certainly quite specific, but it, what it does do, it conforms to the thing I often say about for my sins professions, where there's nothing. You know, that's a really good, very respectable profession there's nothing mm. for my sinsy about being an anaesthetist i don't think i mean i guess there's the whole all working for the nhs is you know so challenging and difficult so maybe there is in that way but uh it's it, yeah it, it doesn't feel like a punishment maybe it's a kind of twist on it nick it's kind of like the power i wield in my hands kind of <laughs> thing <laughs> what the, the the heavy wears the crown kind of yeah thing. maybe maybe that could be it you know, I've been I've been charged with this for my life anyway. But yeah, good stuff, Charlie. Glad you stepped in and uh, glad you brought something back from your holiday for us. I've got a quiz for you two now. This is great. This is from um, Will Rands, who uh, says, I've been watching all of Harry Kane's 267 goals in a compilation that Tottenham just put up, as you do on a Monday morning. Now, the question for you two is, how many goals in did it take for the commentator to say who else but that man, Harry Kane? And I will allow any variance of this. So anything in the extended family Mm. of that, I will allow. So essentially, my question is, which goal of Harry Kane's 267 for Spurs was first met knowingly by a commentator? So I... 
I, I think that must have come in that late 2014 period where he went on. You know, when he, he scored those two goals against Chelsea on New Year's Day 2015. Right. And that was when it was like, okay, this guy is really starting to bang them in. So I reckon it would have been around then. Um, so I just need a number. Which goal was it? Whoever gets closer. And I'm just working out how many... Because he would have scored quite a few in all comps by then because he was already playing in the European competition, in the like, Europa League and stuff. Uh, 28? 28, says Charlie. What do you think, Nick? I was going to get... I'm not trying to do the uh, one lower thing here, but I was I was thinking like, like 25. I, I've got that... Um, those two goals he scored against Arsenal. Mm. Um, that's that. That's a month later. Yeah. Is it right? Yeah, I've got yeah. that in my head. So if that's a month later, or well, you've helped me out here, because if that's a month later, I'm going to change my answer to thirty-two. Then. So what is your what is your final answer? Thirty-two. I'm going to thirty-two. Thirty-two. Nick, you are exactly right. Wow. That is astonishing behaviour. Go on. Goal number thirty-two of Harry Kane's Tottenham career was met. I can confirm with this. Townsend's delivery, attacking that near post, and it's shoveled in by Gessu. Harry Kane on six minutes. I think this is allowable in the spirit of this quiz. Guess who is essentially in the, in the right. Yeah, number 32 against Leicester, I believe, Brilliant. in March 2015. Fantastic stuff. I'm glad we did this. The fact that someone got it on the money is really good. And the fact that Charlie didn't win, I think, is just, just <laughs> mere seasoning for this. But I gave it to you as well, Nick. Yeah. You, you were going lower. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Right. Um, some more bread and butter stuff for us now. Alex Everson writes in says, The BBC report describes Watford as high-flying in their 2-0 collapse against Reading, but they are currently fifth in the table with two wins in their last six. What constitutes high-flying? I say surely you need to be a top three side as a bare minimum. Nick, there some people in the replies to this suggesting it should be a relative concept. Exactly. I, I think it can be to an extent, but I think genuinely it is it is controlled by by being very very high up in the league <laughs> i think if well i think that the, the the both things can be true i think if you are if you're top two maybe top three you can be high flying but again yeah i think it has to be relative to expectations so yeah what watford you'd expect them to be top two three in the championship anything below that they're not high flying yeah but if it was like you know some team that you weren't so Rotherham or whoever were in fifth place, then they could be described as high flying. I think. Hmm. Um, I mean, you could have a third variable, Charlie, which is, which is their place in the table relative to who you are. But I mean, that surely can't come to the equation because you wouldn't mm. say, "Well, they're high flying." You know, no, they're miles back. Okay, because <laughs> then the bottom club would keep playing high flying <laughs> every week. <laughs> Mentally punishing that would yeah. be. But I'm not having Watford as high flying then, given. Everything, really. But let's look at the Premier League in this context. Would you say Brighton are high-flying? I was literally going to ask that question, yep. and I, I think you would. Brentford are high-flying. High Brentford are high-flying in seventh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're higher than... What about Fulham in eighth? Yep. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're getting no, close. Because, well, for newly promoted team in eighth place, that's that's quite high-flying. Forest, not high-flying. 13th, that's sort of no. better than... Why are you bringing them into the equation? <laughs> well, because I have to bring everything back to Forest. But, um, but 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 no, they're doing better than expected, but not, you know, when they're high-flying. Fulham in eight, I think Fulham in eighth, a newly promoted team in eighth place, uh, however many points off the European places. I think that's, that's high-ish flying. Okay, but yeah, may- maybe context does is quite important here, Charlie, because you wouldn't call Man City high-flying in second, but you would call <laughs> Arsenal high-flying. 
Yeah, 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 definitely you wouldn't call Man City. I mean, do you feel as well it's a slightly more weighted towards the first half of the season thing? Yes. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like inst- pace setters, isn't it? Yeah, I feel instinctively it sort of loses because there's a kind of newness and a slight novelty to it. Like to, to call a team in seventh in March, say, high flying, hmm. things are a bit more settled then. High flying suggests they're going to come back down to earth soon. Yeah, I feel yeah, like. I agree. Yeah, it, it's it's the momentum that they picked up from the start. Mm rather than anything else. Um, I don't think it's a kind of medium-term state of affairs. On Newcastle high-flying, Nick, I think that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Although you, you would expect them to... Maybe maybe you wouldn't expect them to be quite as uh, high-flying as they were. I, this is a, a bit of a shame that uh, Mr. Literal David Walker isn't uh, here mm. to really kind of dig down on this today. Especially given... Given that it's Watford, but I think yeah. he would agree. I'm, I'm confident he would agree. So can I just ask you, by the way, Adam and and Nick? Speaking of Arsenal, you, you mentioned they're being top. I saw recently. I think in the same position they're in now, they were five points clear with the game in hand, described as runaway leaders. And I, that's that. I don't think that qualifies as runaway. Five points with the game in hand. And then I was thinking, what what is the cutoff point for for runaway leaders? Well, I, okay. Before I mean, we get into the points, mathematics of it, po- eight points would, with with all games equal, it feels borderline runaway. I think five five points at this stage of the season it isn't runaway, but if it was five points in like October or something, that feels quite runaway. Yeah, yeah. Um, got a real life case study for this. Uh, listener Michael Cox wrote a piece for the Athletic. Re- well, it, back in December, tail end of December, it was, and he described Arsenal as the surprise runaway leaders. And mm. I actually took Runaway out of his copy and then said, well, what's that saying? <laughs> I'm not having it. Uh, he, thought oh, a five wow. point gap, he thought a five-point gap at the turn of the year, Charlie, was okay. I, I mean, I can sign it. I can sympathise with it, but I just thought it, was, it wasn't quite enough. Mm, well, that's, uh, that's so interesting that it did, it did play out in that way. Yeah, um, that's my editorial policy. The power you wield over the football I, language. Mm. All the time. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, um, on a lighter note, uh, this came from listener James Moore, who says, um, Margate, Nick, have a player called Harrison Hatful. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> He's only a defender, though. Oh. That's a shame. Yeah. But um, I don't think I've ever heard that surname before, Charlie. What a really cool footballing surname. It's like a, co- it's like a comic book footballer. <laughs> Harry Hatful. Harry Hatful. <laughs> Harry's bagged himself a hatful again. Yeah. Uh, that is brilliant, yeah. Brilliant nominative mm-hmm. determinism. If indeed he is a goal scorer, maybe he isn't. 
Yeah, that, that reminds me, actually, there was a question into uh, the Football Clichés column, it is what it is, on Friday, from Nico, who says, what constitutes a player scoring a hat full of goals? I'm trying to imagine each goal representing a slip of paper that gradually fills up an upside-down magician's hat. Ignore the last bit, Nick, that's weird. But how many goals is a hat full? Well, how full is... Is a hat full like a single game thing? I know. Or is it more of a... This is tricky. You know, over a series of games, maybe over a season. I think, I think it's the latter. I think it's yeah, it's, it's a time period thing, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I think. Uh, and it is is it is a, a greater ratio of a goal a game required for it to be a hatful? No, not necessarily. I think traditionally a hatful can still be a, just a healthy number of goals. Mm. I I sort of adjudicated in the end, Charlie, that more than twenty within a single season should be regarded as a lower limit for a hatful, and it could be as many as fifty, but. When I wrote that, I realised that you're in some sort of Lionel Messi mid-2010s territory, but you would never describe Lionel Messi, the great Lionel Messi at his peak, as scoring a hatful. It's it's, it's more of a two-bob kind of humble Yeah, totally. Thing. It's like <laughs> League Twos for hatfuls. I, I think of, I hear like he scored a hatful in the lower leagues or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like I don't... a throwaway thing. It's like, yeah, yeah he's he, you know, he's been scoring goals for fun down there. But yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, in, wouldn't do that in La Liga, would you? No chance. Like the idea, it's so so few of these words kind of apply to to Messi when you th- like if you describe Lionel Messi as a bagsman, it's just, <laughs> it's just a funny concept. No, yeah. no, you just wouldn't have it. Um, there are sort of there are layers to this though because hatful can also be used, Nick, in a kind of rueful sense, like a misfiring striker mm. could have got a hatful today. So that's the that's an example where you could use it in a single game. Missed the hatful uh, of chances. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. How can you have a hatful of chances? That's weird. So that's that's kind of an ironic twist on it. You can score a hatful, but you can also miss a hatful of chances, which is cool. Um, but yeah, all of this stemmed from Harrison Hatful. I can't believe that this this man exists. Um, that is that is amazing. Can I just ask as well? Just going back to the Harry Kane, who else? But do do you can that, that is a, that's a very distant harking back for carry on. It's just because uh, this has been on my mind anyway, but just. I would love to know, and I wonder if one of our listeners could do the research on how many of Erling Haaland's goals this season have been described with a variant of that. It feels like every single goal is is met with a who else but, or you know, you know, you know who, or it had to be him. Like it's be just become so de rigueur. I almost feel like every goal there'll be some commentary with that variant since since maybe like the third game or something. Oh no, I think what he'd be he'd be one of the few people that you could that that, that someone would have said that about. His first goal from even on his debut, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he came him. preloaded yeah. with yeah, that, exactly. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, a rare situation, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I would love to know, but the problem is, as as with this Tottenham compilation, it was it was a mismatch of in-house club commentators, mm. random match of the day, and then there was some sort of commentaryless games, and I thought maybe that would, that could have been the one, uh, and no one will ever know. Frustrating. Do you know this? This sounds like a job for Twitter's. Uh, Brian's gun. Yes, mm. yes, it does. Yeah, and this, yeah, he's got just the right amount of time on his hands by the <laughs> looks of it for this sort of thing. Um, so yeah, do the do your job, Brian's gun. Uh, a lot of chat last week about Duncan Ferguson becoming the Forest Green manager, Nick, and um, and this kind of funny juxtaposition of a a gigantic, previously violent man now in charge of the world's one hundred percent vegan club. All of that is very funny, but I boiled it down to just this little snippet. Um, this was an interview he gave to The Guardian. And Ismail pointed me in the direction. He says, I think the vegan food is quite nice. I enjoy it. Chips are vegan. I didn't know that. It is a worry with the planet. <laughs> <laughs> 
What a footbally way of discussing the climate crisis. It is a worry with the planet. It's like it's like a player's ongoing hamstring issue. You fear, you fear for the planet. You really do. <laughs> I can't think of a more understated way than the the, the future of mankind, Charlie, than uh, it is a worry. <laughs> yeah, it's doubtful. The future is quite doubtful. This yeah, sort of, 50, this, 50. On, this ongoing heating issue. Gal- yeah. Galaxy team news, Earth, brackets, <laughs> climate change, close brackets. <laughs> Great. Right. Now, presuming your Wi-Fi is hold up for this and the audio quality is sufficient, I'm sure it will be. This will blow your mind. This came from Ali Mason. And at first I had no idea what he was talking about. I had to listen to it 20 times. I had to get hold of the original audio just to hear what the hell he was talking about. Then finally the light bulb moment happened. Anyway, this is from Five Live on Saturday lunchtime. And Ali Mason says, if this is deliberate, then the BBC's Aaron Paul is the greatest broadcaster of all time. Now, just listen to what's going on in the background as well as what he's saying. They're taking on Norwich. who have won both matches under their new manager, David Wagner. Aaron Paul's at Carrow Road. Yeah, those two wins, very crucial for Wagner, who says he wants his side to play with the handbrake off in front of a Carrow Road crowd who haven't seen a win in five home league games, a run that stretches back to October. And so when you think about it, the last team you want to see pitch up here at Carrow Road is Burnley. The current machine have picked up 36 from their last 39 available championship points. One defeat in 25 means they sit 17 points from third with the Premier League very much on the horizon again. <laughs> You couldn't, you couldn't plan that, Nick. You couldn't do that in advance. It feels like you know those. Kind of, you, you sometimes see those um, things of like massive dance numbers in old Hollywood films or something like that, and you mm. just think the logistics of that were mind-boggling. Exactly. Very, very similar. The modern-day version hmm. of that, I think. Absolutely sensational. Uh, I mean. It just fits so perfectly, Charlie. It's so satisfying. One defeat in 25. I'm now going to hear that every time I hear that song. Yeah. <laughs> One defeat in 25. <laughs> Fantastic. Really good. Brilliant, Aaron Paul. And brilliant from Ellie Mason for spotting it. Now, next up, uh, shame Dave's not here because this, is, this came in from Watford Talk. Um, but I love the question. I don't know if we touched on this before, Charlie, but I, I genuinely do want to know. This could be an athletic piece. The question is, do you think professional teams call their team names for headers like Sunday League teams do? For example, Wanderer's Ball. I just can't picture Harry Kane shouting, into these now, Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rule it out at Premier League level, Charlie, because it just feels massively unrealistic, and I don't know why. But my second question to you would be, how low down the football mm. pyramid would you get for it to become a fairly standard thing to hear? Could, yeah, but also, could you hear just the colours? Would that be more... Is that more that- or less amateurish? Like white ball or white head, if you're Harry Kane. It's more amateurish, yeah. You think so, than than Spurs ball? Yeah. I'm trying to remember from like behind closed doors games, because there was a lot of quite Sunday league chat, like in a really refreshing way. I don't think it went that far. I'm sure we would have heard about it if it... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we probably would have done. I mean, I I can imagine it in the championship. Certainly with, with certain players. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it depends. It depends what the nickname is as well. I mean, like clear, you know, Spurs feels a more, for example, more legitimate nickname. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, some are some are ludicrous. <laughs> Lily like, White's like, head like, on this could be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cas- Casemiro's not me saying like Red Devil's Ball or something. <laughs> Someone reading out Casemiro's name in full after he does a great, <laughs> yeah. great clearing header. Okay, let me let me boil this down to a admittedly quite two bob scenario, Nick. But let's see what level of football you think this will be most prevalent at. Goal kick, but a long one, an old fashioned one. And the opposition say, uh, Team X head on this. I think you'd be looking at semi-pro level at the very most, wouldn't you? I don't. I think they would frown upon it in like the Northern Premier, wouldn't they? Uh, I don't know. I can see a sort of league 
League Two team doing that. Really? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, I reckon so. I think so. A player yeah. actually shouting the name of the team head yeah. on this. I'd love. I, w- I want it to be true. Yeah, yeah. Because because it, it would it Champions would, League level stuff. Yeah, because yeah. Real Madrid hell on this lads. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so good. Los Blancos head on. This. <laughs> <laughs> but the Please. thing is, is, like as ridiculous as all these things are, they are. They're you know some of them are quite useful. So it is it is really funny to imagine what what the equivalents are because you do still need to communicate you know yeah. communications even with the auto- automations that you have mm. at that level I think the similar discussion we had Charlie was, was whether Premier League defenders at corners sort of say the name of the player uh, that they want their teammate to mark like you pick up Kane like to me that just seems weird but then you mm. wouldn't say the number either because it's like they've got a name like if they know who they yeah. are I mean I, I appreciate they are drilled in this and they probably know an eliminated cheat beforehand but sort of this sort of stuff it kind of really separates yeah. us from the immortals could could that be like a, a a sort of tactic of undermining? So if 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 you if a defender says to his colleagues, "You could pick up Kane, you could pick up Son," and then he doesn't identify Kulusevski or something as a sort of who's that guy? I I've never heard of this guy. Mm. As a sort of try, trying to trying to get in his head or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You pick up their shit January signing. <laughs> yeah, the ginger lad. Uh, who is he? I don't know. Yeah, just calling Dan Byrne the big man. Like get their their big man. Yeah. You get the panic buy. Mm. You know, you know, you know the guy. That that journeyman. I don't, don't know. That could be great. This oh god, this could run so deep. Fantastic stuff. Now, potentially easier one for us. Joseph Hook writes in. Nick says the five live commentator for Newcastle versus West Ham said Allenson Maximin was surrounded when he had two players around him. What's the threshold for being surrounded? I think it's three for a player, but five for a referee. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think two's enough, Nick, because that's when you would just say, oh, they've doubled up on him, which isn't surrounding. I mean, you wouldn't be able to get 360-degree coverage anyway, so three's enough. Yeah, three's, three's fine. I think, I don't know, three feels fine for a, like a, uh, for the referee thing. It, it may depend more on the sort of aggression of the protests. Yeah. You know, I can't really picture how many Manchester United players were surrounding Andy Durso. Andy Durso. And, and, and a that's a common misconception anyway, because there was nobody behind Andy Durso, so it wasn't a proper surrounding. It was a, it was a haranguing. <laughs> right. uh, and it was a hounding, but it wasn't a surrounding, was it, Charlie? It was a hounding, but not a surrounding. That's a good point. Common misconception. Do, but do you, uh, do you have to have... I think for the referee, for for a player, you're right, you need 360, roughly 360 coverage for it to be surrounding. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure you do need it for a referee, because what's the guy shouting in the back of his head doing? What's the, what's that? You know, <laughs> Just what, whispering behind what's, it. What's the point in that? I think it, it, a, a kind of loose semicircle around, like an around audience, the referee. Like an auditorium. That qualifies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's, I think that's that is, a yeah, yeah. yeah, there can't be many where there's a guy behind him just sort of... No. <laughs> Tapping him on the shoulder and saying, no, leaning round yeah. and saying, yeah. come on, no, no, look, it can happen. But I would say you probably only need four for a proper referee surrounding. Does the ferocity as well make it... You know, if, if one of them's Roy Key, yeah. that's going to probably feel more like a surrounding than, you know, yeah. if it's three and one of... Or four, say, and it's one of them's Keane. Yeah. I mean, that could feel more surrounding than five. Yeah, kind of I suppose the closer they are, the more people. of your peripheral vision that they're mm. blocking. So that and maybe it's all in the eye of the referee rather than us. Um, <laughs> Let's bring in Peter Walton. DC writes in, says, in his coverage of Aston Villa versus Leicester, Match of the Day commentator Alistair Mann said this about Leicester. Leicester have earned just one point since the restart after the World Cup and have found the bottom three hurtling towards them. Never heard this before, Nick, in my life. I've never heard this mountain to Muhammad situation of a touch predicament in my life. I, I have heard... It's more of a kind of 
like a almost a, like a literary thing. If someone is someone falls off a building or a wall or something like that, or they fall over, they see the ground rushing towards them. Mm. Oh, or like a or like a parachutist whose yeah, parachute hasn't that, opened. That kind of thing. So oh, maybe I, I I can see I can see that maybe, but it is a bit of a stretch, isn't it? DC is pretty firm about this. Charlie says, surely they should be the ones doing the hurtling yeah. as opposed to yeah. the position coming in the direction. And I, I certainly have never heard this in a football context. Yeah, that's what I was imagining. They're, they're more falling down towards it rather than it's coming up. Yeah, it's almost like abdicating them of all responsibility, Nick. Like, it's not our <laughs> fault. The league's coming up at us. Can't do anything about it. Maybe if it was like, like a team a team who was sort of getting a series of draws, but all the teams below them were winning. Mm. So... They're, they're kind of they're still picking Staying up points. where they are, yeah. Yeah, but the relegation zone is hurtling towards them. I don't know. I mean, the BBC's Alistair Mann could be opening up a philosophical can of worms here. I mean, the whole relegation trapdoor thing, like you don't go through the trapdoor, everything else just moves up and you stay stay where you were, but suddenly you've gone through it. Um, it's very worrying, I have to say, Alistair Mann. Um, have a little think next time. Um, <laughs> next up, now I'm not saying Wrexham are overestimating their global reach right now, Charlie, but they, um, just before their game against Altrincham the other day, they tweeted out a map of the world with all their kickoff times all over the world, <laughs> uh, including Sydney and what seems to be Tokyo. <laughs> I'm not, not particularly happy That's with this. That's great. It's too much. That's great. Is that, yeah. the, that, that 720 on the middle looks like Morocco? Oh no, Egypt. That's Egypt, isn't I it? I think that mm. is Cairo, yeah. That's Cairo. <laughs> and Rio. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> Rio. Come on. Both coasts of America, importantly. More understandable. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, good to have. Good to have what appears to be not London. Oh, Wrexham, I assume. Yeah, it's, yeah, obviously yeah, fair Wrexham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know. Don't know how their Cairo fan base is doing. But uh, but Charlie, let's be honest. This is a step too far, isn't it? Getting ahead of themselves. Yeah, it is. That's a uh, that's a kind of seeing what other clubs are doing and jumping on it. I can sort of imagine now like a Sunday league team doing that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> for, for a bit of sort of low level banter. Do you know what? I think the only people, I, I, I would rule on this, Nick, the only people who are allowed to tweet out a map of kickoff times for various time zones are Brazilian footballers in the Premier League. That's it. <laughs> That's we, it. I mean, are we, we are assuming that they, that this, they weren't trying to be funny, that this was like a sort of serious thing that they, they were doing. Were they? No, mm. I think there probably is. They're responding to uh, to the uh, burgeoning fairy tale on a global scale. Um, producer Abby rightly pointing out that the um, the little pin in the UK is actually in Cornwall. So uh, <laughs> maybe maybe they're being more humble than we thought. I don't know. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Now, I'm going to revisit this, Charlie, um, because this is a very good case study of what we've talked about many times before. Manchester United's win over Crystal Palace at the weekend, in which uh, Casemiro was sent off around the 70th minute mark at 2-0 up. And the Premier League's Twitter account um, referred to them as 10-man Manchester United. I think this is, this is such a little grey area for our ruling over this. 
Would you mm. would you accept them being described as ten man Manchester United? I think that the in the case for the defence here of the Premier League, because Palace did then score after that, didn't they? Yeah, and it did. I think that United were pretty in control, and then that did change things. Palace came back into it, got their goal. Then it had a far more tangible effect. So I think there, you know, rather than yesterday, I saw some people describe ten man Spurs beating Man City. Yeah, that's nonsense. That's clearly, clearly pushing it. So I, I think you, I can see the case for for the United one. It's not clear cut, but I think it's just about okay. Okay. Um, Nick, a nice little touch from Manchester United themselves, who tweeted um, that Old Trafford was our 11th man in the closing stages. Your support was on another level. <laughs> bit, nice bit of quick thinking there. That's good. Yeah, that's very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Adapting um, to the circumstances. Nice. Yeah, almost vindicates the first bit if anything so i think all round a nice touch i don't don't want to get independent commissions involved um they've, they've got enough to do <laughs> mm. but yeah the premier league leading the way there with some great contribution to the 10-man discourse right john hyde writes in and he witnessed he says nick the ultimate you're just a shit player x chant today he was at colchester united versus barrow and um there were twins playing for on either side. <laughs> and so Alex Newby was playing for Colchester United, his twin brother Elliot playing for Barrow. Naturally, he says, you're just a shit Alex Newby was sung at poor Elliot. I mean, um, this is the I mean, this could be the perfect storm for it. I'm saying it, this, this might be the perfect scenario for this chant. Yeah, that's um, that, that's bulletproof, I think. That, that's mm. um, I mean, there's, there's a kind of added layer of you know, maybe one of the twins was more talented than the other, and that there's a again really trying to get into the heads and mm. dig up some sort of childhood trauma about which of you know the s- 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 did did mum and dad prefer him to me? I <laughs> yeah, know. I was thinking that. Yeah, like you're just a more loved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> bloody hell. Maybe it cuts a lot deeper than I thought. I thought it was just on the right side of irony, more so than saying you know you're just a shit player who looks a bit like you. I mean, mm. I think. Um, Darwin Nunez got You're Just a Shit Andy Carroll at Molyneux yeah. at the weekend, which, I mean, it just feels like a slightly lazy one, but also quite funny. But applying it to twins, Charlie, does feel quite harsh. I can tell you they were only on the pitch together for two minutes. Alex Newby wow. came on as a 79th-minute substitute. Elliot then departed in the 81st. So quick thinking yeah, from uh, the colchester fans i guess um <laughs> not from me but um but yeah uh, the, the fact that it had a narrow window nick uh, adds to the magic here i think again incredibly quick thinking just going back to darwin nunez though that's it, that surely that's the kind of the, the perfect version of it isn't it uh, you you say lazy it, it's you know a big money ponytailed underperforming liverpool striker that's I didn't think of the Liverpool aspect of it. I just thought it was sort yeah. of blindly, you've got long hair and they paid a lot of money for you. But no, I suppose that's all right. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Fair oh, enough. It fits quite nicely. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right. I'm happy with that. Potentially easy one for you next, Charlie. Tottenham fan account Daily Hotspur tweeted some team news ahead of the Manchester City game saying, um, breaking, Pedro Porro is benched for Tottenham versus Manchester City. Wikipedia mm. Wanderers writes and says, can you be benched if you've never started for the club in the first place? <laughs> Um, simple as that. Benching has negative connotations, doesn't it? It doesn't mean you're on the bench. Yes. Yeah, no. Be- benching, you have to go from... I mean, you certainly have to have played before. But that implies... I mean, benching even implies you started the last game. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Does it go deeper than that, no, Nick? Because 
Benching almost suggests that you've been, it's almost like being hooked, like it's a bad thing. It's not just that you, the manager's rotated, it means you've been benched because you were rubbish. Yeah, underperforming the last game, you've been benched. Yeah. Um, just signed because, for the club, you're on the bench. Yeah, because the, the two extreme, like benched is obviously negative, but a positive is makes the bench, yeah. which, you know, suggests <laughs> you that's got good there. news. Well done, he's, you. <laughs> he's been injured or something. Yeah. You know, he, he makes the bench after a bout of illness or something in the week. Can you say something like reverts to the bench, returns to the bench, mm. something like that? No. Back on the bench. Back on the uh, bench. Yeah, maybe. Drops drops back to the bench. Drops back, to back the bench. Drops to the bench. Thank you. It's like, it is like catchphrase on here sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> back involved, not back to the bench. Yeah, yeah. Worrying to see such a misuse of a very delicate word. Now, um, this came from Chris Hartley, a new story from, uh, from Norfolk. A new crime novel has been published, with most of the characters sharing their names with Norwich City players. The book, A Fenland Secret, has been written by Nico Dobbin. The plot, Nick, has no connection with the football club. Um, uh, Mr Dobbin is a Canaries fan, the news story says, and the action is set in the East Anglian Fens. Um, the hero of the book is Detective Chief Inspector Steve Culverhouse, named after fullback <laughs> mm-hmm. Ian. Most of the other characters are named after those who played in the same era. Among them are Gunn, Newman, Woods and Sutton. So a fairly, a fairly kind of affectionate thing to do for a, a novelist so far, would you say? It's, it's, it's all right, isn't it? Yeah, it seems fun. Is there an Okoko? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't think so. Um, at this stage, Charlie, I think it is a nice touch because it would go under the radar of people who don't know about football and they wouldn't bat an eyelid. That's fine. They're, they're okay names to use. Mm-hmm. Quote from Mr Dobbin, as an author, you have to find your names from somewhere. And my original idea was to name every single character after Canaries. I've been a Norwich fan for a long time. Used to go very regularly around the heyday of beating Bayern Munich. blah de blah de blah um, This was his methodology, Charlie. I brought up a list of online players who have made more than 100 appearances and chose from there. So kind of cool cool logic okay. to use, good thinking. I quite like it so far. He says, to begin with, I decided to use defenders for all the police officers because they are the defenders of the peace. <laughs> <laughs> but I did eventually start to stray away from that. <laughs> this is all falling apart. I mean, th- this feels very reminiscent. I think I did something similar at primary school. I remember being reprimanded because I used to just name all the character names were just my friends, and the teacher was like, "Can you be a bit more imaginative with your names?" <laughs> so I'd bring in footballer names, Alan, and things like that. I hesitate to reveal this, but um, um, when my four-year-old daughter asked me to make up words for things, I used teams from the Turkish Super League. <laughs> <laughs> So she knows things like Genshlia Beligi or something like that for no reason whatsoever. Anyway, returning to this theme, Nick, here's the pinnacle of this story. This is a novelist who's used some random Norwich players uh, for characters in his crime novel, has already sort of slightly departed from his original theme, but then said, after all of that, I then started to use other names as I was conscious of it becoming too much of a gimmick. (laughs) Where's your conviction? I, I think I also ideally, um, if there are any villains in this story, they should have really been named after Ipswich players. Mm. You know, the Dastardly Walk or something. Yeah, it does think walk. <laughs> walk. It's quite an evilly name, actually, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Producer Abby has pointed out that there could have been a Sergeant Sergeant, Charlie. Um, Strong. Yeah. But maybe Josh Sergeant is like 20 years too late for this. And also he's not mm. a defender, so he does not, he's not a keeper of the peace, as uh, Mr. Dobbin dictated. Uh, anyway, that is more than enough on that. It is time... Uh, to herald Charlie's return to this podcast with Keys and Grey Corner. Here we go. 
first half. I really enjoyed this. It's it's mid-level Keys and Grey chat, but it but it is in its own way quite magical. This is Keys and Grey going through the most eagerly unanticipated combined eleven of all time. <laughs> Here's the proposition. My view is, Sean Dyche yeah. had a better team team, not club mm-hmm. team at Burnley than the one he's inherited <laughs> at Everton. <laughs> Uh-huh. The argument or the case for the defence is what? Well, I don't think they had. I don't think they had. This was all done rather quickly. My producer, the other producer, sorry. No, 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 no. What this, what, 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 now what he's saying is, this is what I did earlier and I've thought about it and I'm changing no, my mind. You see, I, I think, right. I think right. four of Burnley's five last year at the back were better. I'll give you him, but By I the think there's two centre-backs. Look, a producer can't spell. No. That's meant to be me. Yeah. Um... <laughs> The, the two centre backs were Ben Mee, Ben Mee at Brentford. Uh, Tarkovsky. You were you, romantic about him. No, this is a good yet. player. You're and, asking and me who, what the best team would be. Pope is a better goalkeeper. Well, no, I think there's a, a, there's a cigarette paper between Pope and him. Pope's probably playing better now you at the moment, right? Any three you like so, in midfield. What I'm saying is, uh, the midfield, I would definitely have Iwobi in there and Onana in there. Uh, Brownhill, Tamari Gray. No, it's an F- well, no, you it's Tamari Gray or Dwight McNeil. <laughs> he was playing there for them last then year. Then you would have Dwight McNeil. Well, it's another Evertonian, so it doesn't matter. Then up front, you can't not... I know he's had a terrible season. I know he's been injured a lot. But you cannot not have Calvert-Lewin. I can, in, in these circumstances... You'd have who? I'm going, Ashley Barnes. I'm going Chris Wood all day long. Because he's, he's in. You've got him over here, I know, so I'm putting Wood in here. Uh-huh. And I'm going in with Barnes, and I'm going in with Rodriguez, I'm going in with Cornet. No. Anything that Burnley had up top last year. This, Andy, he's miles off. <laughs> <laughs> what a little sign-off at the end there, Charlie. And he's miles off, Calvert-Lewin. Um, I mean, having railed against combined 11s on this podcast before and just how unnecessary, cruel and futile they are and rabble-rousing they tend to be, maybe sort of completely benign combined 11s like this <laughs> in the future. What's the point of this? What a completely pointless exercise. <laughs> I just love how, I mean, obviously, you know, we all knew that the focus would be on Daishi, Sean, the big man, that it's th- they've got into it in this level of depth mm. is is really incredible. <laughs> the extent to which they're sort of Sean Daishi correspondents. I just... It's also rendered even more pointless by there being crossover players. A lot of crossover, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Demari Gray? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, se- several high points. Demary going, no, is, was one of them. But the, the sort of pomposity of the, I put it to you, sort of uh, beginning of it. Um, the, the styling out from Richard Keyes, Charlie, of, um, of of Chris Wood not being in the team and then Andy Gray pointing out the yeah. he's there. And then the, Keyes is styling out by saying, no, 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 I want, them, I, want, I want them on the other side of my front too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you give a shit about that, man. <laughs> And then just names all the Burnley attackers. No, Barnes. I want Rodriguez. Chris Wood working the right channel, the right half space. Uh, anyway. Just such a great example of them answering the questions that no one anywhere is asking. Really is fantastic stuff. Right. And uh, the second half of Keys and Grey Corner today is um, this, they're looking at Pep Guardiola's team selection against Spurs. And do you know what, Charlie? You actually called this before it even happened. And now you've got, look, they've got Kyle Walker in here at centre back. Now he can play there. Now, if you're wanting a team to play, you've got two players there playing in positions that they don't normally play in, but they can do it. Mm. I, I keep referring back because it's the most recent example I can give yeah. you to the simplicity of the way Everton played yesterday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the counter argument to what I'm going to say is that Guardiola's won just about everything. Not the one that he should have won, the one uh-huh. that he was charged to win, yet, might. Uh-huh. But he's won trophies. Yes. Playing like this. But is he looking to overcomplicate, to be 
a little bit too clever when there isn't the necessity. <laughs> <laughs> it really was dreamland for Keezy, Charlie. Um, being able to accuse Pep Golio of, of overcomplicating things in the same weekend that Sean Dyche won a game <laughs> in a relatively straightforward manner. Yeah, this was... I mean, I was talking about it in relation to Arteta, but yeah, mm. exactly the argument I was forecasting that, you know, football's... It's a simple game, Andy. You know, oh, are we guilty of overcomplicating it sometimes? I mean, look at look what Daishi did yesterday. It's just, um, just superb. Yeah, absolute catnip. Um, there is... I don't think there is... He's got a lot of things to um, to recommend him, Richard Keyes. I don't think there is anyone who introduces a widely held concept or idea as if he's just thought of it. I yeah. don't think anyone does it better than him. Yeah, it is. It is an art form. Mm. Yeah. Like it's it's a level of it's a level of just thick skinness that <laughs> none of us can aspire to to a certain extent. Um, as he will always do, he will publish his column as we record, so I won't be able to read it and in time to, for this podcast. But I get, this is a great weekend for his column, actually, Charlie. Daishi's won. Um, Guardiola's... Against Arteta. Yeah, he's yeah, Arteta. Yeah. Exactly. Nemesis. And Manchester City are in all sorts of trouble. I mean, this could just be wonderful. This could be wonderful. Oh, for yeah. Something's not right <laughs> in Eastlands. Something's I, rotten in the state of Eastlands. We called it years ago. We yeah. called it years ago. I've been saying it. How, when did when did Pep last win a Champions League? He probably thinks Mike Riley's in charge of the, the Premier League's disciplinary committee. But um, but yeah, so much to have got through today, and we did it with a plum. Nick, thank you. I'm glad you survived Watford Gap. So am I. Um, Charlie, pleasure to have you back. It's not been the same. You're closing in on 150 appearances on the Clichés Pod. I can reveal. Ooh. So um, um, good to have you back in form. Evening. Does that get an intro, or is it just 100? Not sure. I have to decide probably, on that. Pro- Probably should be just done. Maybe let you win for my sins corner or something like that, like letting you you know, score a ceremonial goal. Sure. Um, Great to have you back. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with Mesut Harland Dicks. See you later. The Athletic.